All right, all right. Good morning, church. Hey, it is good to be back here with you. I really feel like I have not been with my people in like months, but it's only been like a week. I'm excited to see each and every one of you. I'm pumped to be back to see you. Look, um, we've been kind of continuing through this, uh, this series called The Struggle is Real. The struggle is real. Uh, before we continue, if you would, go ahead and turn your, to your, into your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to be in verses 1 through 6. So uh, just kind of as I've noted, we've been moving through this series to the book of Romans. Um, look, i got to ask this question to you guys. The struggle is real, right? Yeah. The struggle is real. Is the struggle real in your life? So look, I'm sure of, some of us can relate to saying that, yes, life can be a struggle and that sometimes it can, can be real struggleish, right? So look, um, what's, does anybody know like, what, what's special about today? Father's Day, right? So look, uh, this past week, I could say the struggle was, was real with, uh, with me and my life and my family's life. Uh, me and my, my dad, he, uh, he's actually flying back to Tennessee. That's where I'm from uh, this weekend to see some other family. So we decided, hey, uh, this past week, we're going to go ahead and do Father's Day early. You know, uh, I'll give you your gifts. We'll go to a restaurant. We'll hang out, etc. cetera. Um, so look, if, if you know anything about me and my family, the Hopkinses, um, we do not like to be late. Does anybody, can anybody relate? Like, like I'm, I'm the guy who's usually like, hey, I'm going to be five minutes early. I, I do not like to be late. Um, I would rather be five to ten minutes early and sit in the car until it's time to actually go in than, you know, actually be late. So um, we're usually five minutes early to everything. So as I was getting ready to leave, I realized my house, because I was going to pick up my dad, I realized I could not find my keys or my wallet, Right? Like, anybody, anybody been there? We just got back from church camp. I didn't drive all week. You know, I, I, we rode the buses. So I come back, and I'm like, where's my wallet? Where's my keys? Have I left it at Lake Placid? I hope not, because I really don't want to drive three hours back to get it. Um, so like, I'm, I'm looking everywhere. Uh, I realize, okay, hey, I'm locked out of my car. I have no money. What in the world am I going to do? I can't ping it. I don't have the little Apple tracker thing on my phone and stuff like that for it. Um, I'm sure you've been there, right? So I look, and I ultimately find them actually in my car. Uh, yeah, like my car was actually unlocked the whole time. My wallet, after like an hour of searching, uh, my keys were in there. My wallet was in there. Uh, yeah, so uh, the struggle was, was real. So listen, I'm, I'm finally on the way to finally pick up my dad. And y'all, like my, my phone, like I said, it's kind of junky sometimes. Uh, the music I'm playing on Spotify starts to kind of glitch out, and it somehow starts playing this, this particular song called Perfect by Ed Sheeran. Perfect by Ed Sheeran. Has anybody ever heard Perfect by Ed Sheeran? Anybody? Okay, like it is like this huge romance style song that, I mean, it's been played at a lot of weddings. Kaylee was telling me earlier this morning that um, she played it for a video for her brother's wedding and stuff. So it's a really like lovey-dovey song. No, no, guys, think about this. Like I'm fixing to go pick up my dad and, and this, this lovey-dovey song is playing. And um, if you've never heard of it, which I'm sure some of you guys haven't, here's some lyrics. I just kind of want to read them to you. I'm not going to sing them to you, so... Uh, I found a girl, beautiful and sweet. We were just kids falling when we fell in love. You look perfect tonight. Now listen, um, as, as this, this, these particular lyrics are playing, by this time I've actually picked up my dad. So my dad's in the car, and these lyrics that I just read to you are actually um, playing. And so uh, my dad, he's, he's a pretty, like, he loved, like, 80s rock and roll and stuff like that, so he's a little bit different than, you know, listening to Ed Sheeran, obviously. So he's in the car, and he's definitely very weirded out. He is like, 
what in the world are you playing? Like, what, what is going on? Um, and, and these lyrics are continuously going about, hey, like, I, fi- I found a girl. It, you know, it's, you're, you're perfect. You know, uh, and so quickly, like, I don't know why I didn't think about this from the beginning. I, I turned the radio off. Um, I turned the radio off, and then he kind of awkwardly looks at me, and he's like, hey, is there, like, something you want to tell me? You know, like, <laughs> after you just, just played this song for the past, like, you know, 10 minutes. Now, as weird as this moment was, uh, I think this song called Perfect made me think about being perfect. And how many times we actually equivalent perfect with certain things that we do in our life, right? So if you're like me, which some of you might not be, some of you might, I found that recently that sometimes I struggle with perfectionism, just me personally. That, that like everything I do, I want it to be perfect and all put together in a way that it works the best. I think that in some cases, listen to me, it's fine to want to excel at certain things, right? But what I've come to discover recently is that there is no way that I actually can do everything perfectly. I think that oftentimes we all struggle with this, this desire to do certain things uh, that make us seem like we're perfect or better than what we actually really are. Some of us maybe attempt to follow our, allow our achievements to define us at our jobs, that it ends up becoming our identity. And we aim to just gain success there. Or for some of us, we strive to have the best grades maybe in school just so we can get praise from our family or praise from others. Some of the teenagers in the room are like, yeah, that's me. Um, But maybe for some of us, maybe it's even the belief that if we give the appearance of just going to church on a Sunday, then we're good, right? Like if we just show up for our one day out of the week for Jesus, then we're good with our relationship with him. And we make others think that we're good in our relationship with him as well. See, listen, not all of this stuff is necessarily bad. Like, I think it's okay to want to achieve and be, you know, um, excelling in these these certain areas. But I think it becomes bad when we allow these things to control our lives. And I think that's when it becomes negative. I think sometimes we think that if we act certain ways, do certain things, and behave in a certain manner, then in return it will earn us a certain status or favor in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I think that oftentimes we we turn our relationship with God into a performance just to appear like we are doing right to gain recognition from others. This can often even lead us towards comparison with others in our own relationship with the Lord. So instead of focusing on our relationship with the Lord, we're too busy trying to compare with others. Church family, listen to me. Your relationship with God is not supposed to be a model of comparison towards others but an intimate relational fixation on our Heavenly Father and who He is and what He's done on Calvary. And so today, listen, as I've asked you already to go ahead and turn there, Romans chapter 7, Paul actually kind of gives insight into this in Romans 7. And so uh, we're going to kind of start off right here uh, in verses 1 through 3. Uh, Paul is speaking uh, to the the Christians and the Jews in Rome. Uh, He says, Since I am speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding the husband. So then, if she is married to another man while her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. Then if she is married to another man, she is not an adulteress. Church, let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. God, we pray that in this moment and in this time that you just speak to us. God, There are people in here that are hurting. There are people in here that are broken. There are people in here that are living ultimately in sin. 
God, they need to not hear from me, but they need to hear from your word and the truth of who you are. God, I pray that you cut their hearts deep, Lord. I pray that you prick, God, the furthest of hearts in this place, Lord. Lord, we love you, and ultimately we want to see you, and meet you, we want you to meet us in this place. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, in him I pray. Amen. So look, Paul, he, he begins by explaining in these first three verses that as long as a person lives, uh, that the law rules over them. Some of you guys can relate, like, hey, we're alive, we've got to go to the speed limit, right, for some of us. Uh, but so Paul's audience, the ones that he's writing to, they're those who know the law and are familiar with how it operates kind of in their lives overall in Rome. So what Paul does is he begins by illustrating this point, by giving this example that through the law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he alive. alive. So Paul, he's just using these first three verses kind of as an illustration to kind of set up this big point that he's pointing towards. Listen, I think that today, many people, us included, can find ourselves bound to the law. Maybe it's that feeling of being obligated to always perfectly spend time with God and his word every single day just to gain his acceptance, or for us to always feel like attending church and being around people for us to fit within the body of Christ. See, listen to me. When we try to earn our righteousness by the things that we do, we may bring in the existence of legalism. Legalism. See, legalism focuses more on our performance related to God's laws more than the actual relationship with God himself. Church, listen, we have to understand that legalism is lethal. Legalism is lethal. See, legalism is lethal because it pushes us to try to just keep the external laws, the external appearance without a true submitted heart to God. It makes us try to add human rules to divine laws and begin treating them as divine. This is dangerous in our lives because we can make our sanctification, our daily becoming more uh, like Jesus about us more than Jesus himself. It's dangerous for the church because we can create an, an us versus each other mentality where we elevate our own selves based on our own performances, following God's commands, and believe that we are good and holy just because of our performance, and that we may look at those outside of the church as evil and wicked and condemn them for not following our standards. Scripture says, hey, there is no one who is righteous. No, not one, right? See, Paul is not just giving this illustration over marriage, like I said earlier, but instead he's making a point that the law has jurisdiction just over the living, not the dead. See, church, listen, for us as believers, we need to die to live. Die to live. Paul says in verse 4, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, since we have died to what held us so that we may serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the old letter of the law. Church, listen. Paul, what he's saying, he's telling us that that we died to the law through the death of Jesus on the cross. That when Jesus died on the cross and we actually put our faith in him, then what ends up happening is we died to that old way of living, that old way of thinking. That Jesus' death set us free from the bondage of the law. See, listen, the difficulty with the law is that it revealed our sin. And we don't like anything that reveals our sin, right? 
But the thing is, it revealed our sin, and we could actually never meet the law's standards. There was nothing we could do. We tried and we failed. So we would try again and we would fail again. It would seem like it was just this endless, hopeless circle of shame and defeat. That is the power of the law. But now, what Paul is saying is that Jesus has released us from that power of the law. That when we do put our faith and hope in him and believe in who he is, that we've been set free from that. That when he died on the cross, we died with him. That we're no longer bound by the law. As Paul related the law of marriage in his previous illustration, he pointed out that we were married to the law, but now through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are married to the ideal of grace. That the law does not measure our relationship with God, but what God says through his word and grace. See, listen, the law is not the deciding factor of whether we have favor with God. Grace decides. And grace's judgment is that we undeservingly are accepted and loved by God despite our inability to keep that law. Amen for his grace. Because if you're anything like me in trying to try to work yourself up into a point where you're in right relationship with God, you've always realized, hey, you keep falling short. And that's why Jesus says, like, hey, that's why Paul's saying, like, look, when Jesus went to the cross and died the death that he did not deserve, we died with him. That we're not bound by this legalistic law. Look, there was nothing we could do to be in right standing with God. We could not keep the law perfectly. So many times I think that we, we equate our relationship with God like a ladder. Like a ladder. I think that, that we oftentimes, Rachel's bringing my ladder up. <laughs> I think that oftentimes we try to equate our relationship with God like this ladder. Like this ladder. It seems as if we're always trying to work ourselves into a right relationship with God or work ourselves into heaven where he's at. And so I think oftentimes, my friends, listen, I think that what we do is we think that leading or preaching or teaching or just knowing theology or praying or attending church, I mean, I ain't gonna hit this, this top step, or, or, or just coming to church on a Sunday, we think that that just puts us in a right relationship with the Lord. But the truth is, just because of our sin nature, every, it's like every time we take a step forward, we take two steps back. And thankfully, look, we serve a God that as we were trying to do these things to work our way to him, ultimately what he did was he actually stepped down the ladder and met us exactly where we are. Aren't you glad that we're not in a relationship with a God that says you ha your, your status with me is based on your performance? But it's by what his word says. Church, listen, we are not married to the law. We're not bound to it, but we're married to the ideal of grace. See, the truth is, there's nothing that we could do that would work our way to him. That's why ultimately he stepped down and met us exactly where we were at. Church, even though we couldn't do anything to get to God, he came down this ladder and met us exactly right where we were at. He took the punishment we deserved, and since we have died with Jesus on the cross, we have been set free from the unrealistic standard of the law. 
since we have been crucified with Jesus and given the grace that we undeserve, Paul says that we can bear fruit and do good deeds for God. Now, wait a minute. We just talked about how the things that we do don't put us in right relationship with the Lord, right? So wait a minute. What's Paul saying? James 2.26 says that faith without works is dead. See, all in our lives, I think that we each do good things for people in our lives, not because we have to, but because it's how we show our love for them, right? Like, if you're married to somebody, you're going to do things out of your reverence and your care and your love for that person, right? Not what you can get in return. I hope so. I'm not married, so I don't really know. But, uh, you know, if you're dating somebody or if you have a friend or you have a family member, you're going to do things out of your love and your care for them, not for what they can give you in return. See, we do these things for our devotion to these people, not because it makes us right with them. Maybe think about someone you're married to, or in some cases, your boss at work, or maybe just even a friend. See, we usually do these things not from what we get, we do these things not to just get things in return, but instead of our love for these people. Look, our relationship with God is not based on us doing things to get his approval, but more so the Holy Spirit cultivating the fruits of the Spirit within us to live in such a way that is holy. See, we don't do things just to earn his approval and his grace. But see, the spirit that is within us, that when we can believe it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, when it comes within our heart, it leads us to do things, to do deeds out of our love and care for our Heavenly Father. Church, listen, this is what the scripture says. That yet while we were bound by the law, that when Jesus died on the cross, we died to it as well. That we've been set free. That we don't have to live in this legalistic mindset of I'm just going to have to do these certain things to be right in my relationship with him. But instead, I'm going to allow, like Paul says, the newness of the spirit to lead me, to lead us to do things in our relationship with the Lord. So look, the big question that I have for you is this, is that how can we apply some of this in our daily lives? And more so, what would our life look like if we were to do these things? Number one, number one, make a list, make a list, make a list. Look, I want you, look, I know some of y'all like to make a list. I know some of y'all have been keeping that list about other people the past like year, so I'm, I'm sure some of you are good to make a list. Uh, I want to encourage you to make a list of areas where you feel, <laughs> thanks, Vasilia. Uh I always count on you. Uh, I want to <laughs> encourage you to make a list of areas where you feel like you have to prove your worth, your value, and your status to others. Whether it's your job, school, or even as you come to church, write out how you feel when you don't meet those expectations in your life, at your job, in your family, or even in your Christian circle. Like for real, like I, I want you to be transparent with yourself. No, you don't have to lose anybody. Write these things out. Write these things out. Now listen, take that list and look through the lens of grace. Look through the lens of grace. Look through that lens of grace at yourself. I think we sometimes don't give grace to ourselves because we are our biggest critic, right? But I think we ultimately need to realize and understand that once we began this relationship with Jesus, we also were married to the what? The ideal of grace. But also, be graceful to others. Be graceful to others.
Number three. Number three. Live in the Spirit. That's what Paul says. He says that once we begin a relationship with Jesus, that we're no longer bound by the law and sin, but instead we begin to live in the newness of the Spirit. The newness of the Spirit. What's that look like? What's it look like? He tells us that we lived in sin and we were dead, but since we were crucified with Jesus, we have died from the law. So look, this could look like allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to maybe serve in ways that God has gifted you. Maybe here at the church. Maybe just in your life. Maybe if the Lord's leading you or calling you to do a certain thing. Or maybe joining a small group to help cultivate spiritual growth, right? Like each and every one of us, we need to continuously be growing in our relationship with the Lord. And like we just mentioned, that big word, sanctification, of of growing and pursuing Jesus of who he is, we need to be in areas and places that's actually pushing us to grow. And acknowledge your relationship with God is not based on your outward performance. Look, I struggle with this. Like, really, I do. Because, like I said, I am a perfectionist. And so, uh, <coughs> and so there's a lot of things that I absolutely, I want them to be right. Like, uh, my Father's Day thing with my dad, I was like, man, this thing has all been screwed up. I'm late. Uh, I've been playing Ed Sharon in the car. Perfect. You know, um, but ultimately... As I look at that moment with my dad, my dad was not impressed by the things that I tried to just do for him, but my dad was impressed by the relationship and the care and the love that I had for him. Church, that's the same with our relationship with the Lord, that we do not need to be on this unrealistic standard of just trying to do things to just earn favor with God, because ultimately there is nothing that we could do to just earn favor with the Lord, except love him, trust him, and believe in him. Church, listen, you've been set free from the law. You have been set free from the law. Look, imagine how your perspective would change if you operated out of grace rather than obligation. Like, imagine your relationship with the Lord, that daily you said, look, I'm not having to meet with him out of some type of obligation, but I'm meeting with him because of my love and care for him. What would it look like if we dropped the comparison act of looking how other people are living their lives instead focus on what God has called us to do and to be? Right? Like so many times I think that, like I said, that checklist of like, man, I see him reading his Bible every day. I see him praying every single day. And listen, those things are good, and we need to try to aim to do those things because Jesus has given us a standard of perfection that we ultimately need to try to meet. But I think the truth in that is that oftentimes we see those things, and we comp- the, the, the enemy of comparison comes in, and it steals our joy, and, it, and honestly, it makes us bitter towards that person or even bitter in our relationship with the Lord. Like, hey, why is it I can't be perfect in reading my Bible every single day? Why is it I can't be perfect in praying every single day? Well, boom, newsflash. I think we just then turned our relationship with Jesus into just works of just trying to earn his favor. And remember, like the latter, all those things that we tried to do, and ultimately we kept just taking those steps back down. It's the same in our life. You see, that ultimately... There's nothing that we could do to put ourselves in a right relationship with the Lord except put our faith and trust and hope in him and who he is and what he's done on the cross. That once, he was di- once he, he, his death, burial, and resurrection happened, that we too were died, buried, and resurrected. Church, what would our lives look like? What would our church look like? What would your families look like? What would your small groups look like? If we stopped setting this unrealistic standard of, hey, we've got to be perfect every single time. 
So listen, what I want to challenge each and every one of you to do is to look through those lens of grace, to walk in the newness of the Spirit, and to make a list of these things. Because ultimately and truthfully, like I said, there's nothing that we could do to put ourselves in right relationship with the Lord. And he knew that, and that's exactly why he met us. He came down the ladder while we couldn't get to the top and met us exactly where we were at. Church, I want to encourage you to take those steps, do those in your life. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. God, we pray that you just continue to speak to us in this time. God, we're so thankful. God, that ultimately, you went to the cross for us. We didn't deserve it, and we still don't deserve it. But yet you died a death that you did not deserve so that we could be in right relationship with God, but also because there was no other way. There was no other way that we could be right with you. And like Paul just says in, the, in those six verses that, that, look, once you died on the cross, we died with you. And that ultimately, we're not bound to, live, to try to live this perfected lifestyle. God, we're so thankful that you came down that ladder and met us exactly where we're at. Church, the truth is, is for some of us in this place, like we've been living our lives like this, right? Like we've been living as if we're still bound under this law. That if we do this or say this or post this on so social media, then it's going to get us reverence with God. That it's going to get us recognition. That it's going to make us look better than what we actually are. But truthfully, Truthfully, we need to realize that, that there was nothing good that we could do to put us in right relationship with the Lord. That we would never be able to meet the standard of the law. And ultimately, that's why God had a plan. And he knew that. That's why he stepped down and met us exactly where we're at. For some of you in this place, look, I'm going to be honest with you. You're living in bondage to something. Either sin or the law. And in this moment, we just want to invite you to say, hey, no more. I'm tired of trying to climb this ladder of moral perfection based on my standards. I'm tired of trying to meet God exactly where he's at by things that I do or say. And look, church, I've been there too. The sense of me just thinking if I know more or if I can use the biggest theological words, and listen, those things aren't wrong. But ultimately, I don't want those things to turn my relationship with the Lord into a performance. And so in this moment, I really just want you to search your heart. I really just want you to ask yourself, is this you? Do you feel like that you're living a life just based on things that you do? Or that you're living a life that is wholesome and right 
in relationship with the Lord and who he is. But for some of us, the thing is, we can't really look at our heart because honestly, we actually really haven't began this relationship with Jesus. What I want to say to you is, listen, that's okay, but I want to invite you to begin something that is going to radically change your life and give you new meaning and give you purpose. So in this moment, as we begin to worship, if you just want to come down and pray, you're more than welcome to. Um, we've got Jason and a few other guys outside of the, uh, the backdrop banners on the sides. If you just need to, want to go pray with someone, feel free to. But listen, don't, don't miss this moment. Don't lose this moment of being in right relationship with who he is. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. God, we pray that you speak to us in this time. In your name I pray. Amen.